0: What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Berry, the content marketing specialist here. In this episode, we're gonna talk about winning the week at work. How do you go from Monday to Friday, some of us entrepreneurs also working on the weekends, how do we win that week of work. We get all the things we want to get done. We're super productive in the office and making all of it happen. That is going to be the focus of this episode. We are joined by a productivity expert and co founder of Life Hack Method. He's helped over 50,000 professionals prevent burnout and create more freedom in their lives. He's worked with professionals in big name companies like Facebook, Uber, Pepsi, a lot of those big names, and he joins us on Breakthrough to Success to share what works. He is none other than Demir Bentley. Demir, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Mark. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Demir, it is such a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success, and we all have such a limited amount of time in the work week to make it happen, to achieve all of our tasks. But The best way to start that work week, at least for my opinion, is to plan it out in advance. So I'm wondering what should we think about when we are planning a week of work so we do get the results that we want?
1: Yeah. I mean, the funny thing about planning your week is it's something that we all know we should be doing, but we're just not doing it. In fact, we did a survey of over 5,000 professionals who manage between five and 50 other employees, so, you know, people who have been given a lot of responsibility, we're talking about team leads, we're talking about bosses and executives and even owners of small companies, right? So we asked these people, what are the number one qualities to a your week? And consistently, 94% of them in their top three was plan the week ahead of time. Okay, so like everybody out there is probably listening to this and going, well, of course, yeah, of, of course you have to plan your week ahead of time. But we followed up, Mark, and we said, okay, How many weeks out of the last four weeks have you actually been planning your week then? Do you want to take a wild stab, Mark, at like what that percentage was? I'd say less than 10%. It was 6%. Then for funsies, we followed up and actually defined what the minimum actual planning session would be, meaning did you check your calendar? Did you set a priority for the week? Then guess what that dropped down to from 6% down to? Uh, 2%. Less than 2% exactly. So, so what's amazing is this is something that we all know we're supposed to be doing. And yet at the same time, we are all not doing it. Mm-hmm. So I would say 100% um, when people come up to me at parties, you know, they, they ask me, Demir, what do you do? I say, I'm a productivity coach. And I could tell you without fail, Mark, they say, well, tell me then the number one thing I can do to improve my productivity. I say, are you planning your week? And I could tell you, Mark, they say, no, bashfully this oh gosh I, I sort of try to or I do it lamely or I'll do half of it but not the full thing this is the thing as obvious as it might seem that we're all not doing and if we just do that the right way it will make a huge difference in your week
0: and I feel like when it comes to productivity in a lot of areas of success it is this obvious thing where it's like okay we've heard this before this isn't anything new you're not teaching us anything new But are you doing it? As Demir mentions, it's like, okay, you know that planning helps. All of us have planned out something, whether it be a vacation or a wedding or something else. And it's like, well, thank goodness we planned that because I don't know where we'd be if we just did that off the cuff. How do we take these obvious things like planning and also something like get good sleep? the obvious things? How do we take those and actually start doing them instead of being this like a sage on the top of the mountain saying, you should do this and then not doing it?
1: I totally understand. And I just want to back up and say, there's actually a really good reason that we don't do this. And it's what I call internal resistance. Let's get real. The very practice of planning, if you're doing it right, is anxiety provoking. It's fear provoking. Meaning If Mark, if you sit there on Friday evening or Saturday morning and you for 30 minutes or an hour, however long it takes, are planning your week, that sounds so neutral, right? Oh, I'm planning my week. No, what you're doing is you are inviting into your mental space everything that could go wrong next week. You're opening up your to-do list and looking at all the hairy, scary things on your to-do list. You're looking at your calendar and going, oh my God, I'm over-scheduled. So I just wanna be clear about why we don't do this. It's because the very act of planning is anxiety producing. It's fear producing. Now. Just because it's effective doesn't mean that you don't feel all those negative feelings. And so there's a really good reason why we don't do this. Um, and even though our values tell us, like people will say their values tell them they want to be the kind of person who's ahead of the pack. They want to be the kind of person who's on offense, not defense, who faces up to their you know commitments. Even though we would all say that we agree with those values the act of, of of inviting that anxiety and fear into our life is sort of terrifying. And so I just wanted to take a moment and acknowledge if you're not doing it, it's not like there's anything wrong with you. You're just having an animalistic fear-based reaction of like, dude, I do not wanna take my precious time on Friday night or Saturday morning, my weekend, and have like a sort of mi- minor panic attack of, about the, the coming week. What we tend to do, Mark, is we tend to exist in this wishful thinking space you know what? I'll get to it. I'll plan it later. So on Friday night, we say, I'll plan on Saturday. On Saturday, we say, I'll do a plan on, Monday, on, on Sunday. On Sunday, we don't do it. And then what do we say? I'll just do something really quick on Monday when I come in to work. And then the bullets are already flying, right? So I just wanted to justify and explain, like, there's nothing wrong with you if you find yourself not being able to do planning. This is the vast majority of us cannot do this.
0: I mean, just that idea of if you don't enjoy your work, it's going to be more difficult, even for people who do enjoy their work. I mean, you are putting yourself back in work, but by creating that plan, it's one of those things where we all get the idea of if you invest your money today and wait 20 years, it's going to be better uh, than if you don't invest it, you spend it on stuff, and then 20 years later, like it's kind of like how people don't think about their retirement in most cases until their 40s and 50s and the same approach is similar to planning it's not something people necessarily want to do all the time but even 15 minutes can make such a big difference for how the rest of the week goes
1: one of the things I yeah i mean i would just agree with you vehemently if it pound for pound in your productivity every minute you spend planning is going to have the biggest possible return downstream
0: yeah i mean just again like not that much time of planning you know where you're going. It's like uh, taking the time to plug in the GPS directions from like wherever you want to go. It just saves so much time instead of like getting lost along the way. One of the things I do want to talk about because as a business freelance writer, one of the things that happens to me is I have all the tasks I want to do in a given day. Like I got to write for this client, that one. And then I get an email from another client I didn't plan on now wants articles from me and I got to yeah. go ahead and do them adjust and stuff like that. What, what are some strategies you have for people who uh, they create their schedule, they plan. It's one of those things where it may not go perfectly, but it's going to go better uh, than if you didn't have a plan. How do we adjust to things that happen that we don't anticipate?
1: Yeah, so I like to think about a plan as being more of like navigating. So for some reason, we have a very big misconception around what the word planning means, right? So we think a lot, I'm going to design a plan. It's going to happen exactly that way. And to the extent that it doesn't happen exactly the way I planned it, I failed. I failed to plan right. Or, or the world is just, often we'll get into these victim stories. Well, my life is just too chaotic. Well, I just can't plan think about sailors sailors have the right end of this when when a sailor creates a sail plan there's no option to not arrive at a, at that other shore at some point if you don't get at that to that distant shore you are dead so they're going to make it there but they have a lot of latitude about how they deal with obstacles in between. And there's no, even a sailor taking the same route every single time is never gonna tread exactly the same route. There's gonna be winds, there's gonna be tides, maybe there's objects in the sea, floating objects, there's, there's a boat in your way. You have to anticipate or, or react to the situations that happen as they happen, and change your sale plan. And that's the same with navigating your week. Yes, we create an initial plan, and we hope it goes that way, but we sort of secretly know it's not going to go exactly that way, and give ourselves a lot of latitude to say, great, okay, so now this thing is in my way. I can't do that. Let's back up. Let's create a new navigation path so we can still make it to our destination. We just got to change some things around. Does that make sense? So I love, there's a quote that basically says something to the effect, I'm going to get it wrong, of, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on it. I'm going to get it here for a second. Hold on. Can you you wait for me a little bit, Mark, while I get it?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, just that idea of the navigation though, it just shows that you don't want to put too much on your plate because if you have a schedule with all of your hours accounted for. Then some big surprise happens. It's going to be harder to recover versus if you only put a little bit in your schedule and then you can fit in that freelance article, whatever it is you're doing.
1: The quote I was looking for is, we can't direct the wind, but we can adjust the sails. And I think that's the best way to think about it. You can't, you know, you can't change the fact that some crazy thing is going to drop in your lap next week that you didn't anticipate. That's going to happen. But what you can do is you can be really proactive about saying, okay, great. Let's adjust the sails. Let's change our sale plan so that we still get to our destination
0: adjusting it's one of the most important skills uh there are some skills that like oh that's an entrepreneurial skill but adjusting it's just a life skill that you need to develop it helps on entrepreneurs most certainly but it is something you need to have in any line of work now one of the things that comes up very often when it comes to the work week and being productive is the hours some people feel yeah. like uh, if you're slogging 60 to 80 hours a week, you're more productive versus only 40. There is some science to suggest that once you hit hour 60, uh, you get to that diminishing returns where you got to put in two hours to get an hour of output. Uh, there's a lot of different things around there to say like overworking can be counterproductive, but I'm wondering what your take is on that and what you advise to various executives.
1: Yeah. I mean, it- you got to understand that my entire organization, Life Hack Method, we're all about you living your best life. So we don't come from a place we are B2C. We don't work for your employer, we work for you. And so a lot of our outlook and a lot of our mission stems from that. Meaning, I want you to work the the fewest possible hours that you can to create incredible value and then go out and live your life as a human being. And so for me, my personal mission is for you to be happier than a billionaire, right? And I think productivity and productivity tools, although inherently sort of nerdy and geeky, are actually incredibly useful if you're looking to get on offense in your life, if you're looking to squeeze your work down and be more efficient about your work and then go out and like live your life. So for me, to me, it's not 40 hours. To me, it's not 35 hours it's the minimum amount of hours that you can do your job i i had a client named sarah who was working 80 hours in banking and compliance and we got her down to literally less than 13 hours per week and her her employer has no idea still loves her um she's a model she does all of the other productivity trainings for everybody else i i i I hesitate to say, but I'm pretty sure that her employer doesn't know, doesn't want to know that she's working 13 hours. Is just happy as a clam with her and her output, and that's where I want every client to be. Is like, let's get your work hours dialed into the minimum possible amount, such that everybody's winning. You're winning. Your employer's winning. Your clients winning.
0: And I, I feel like a lot of people they heard 80 hours going down to 13 hours, and I feel like everybody would love to have that scenario. If you're on that boat. Uh, I'm wondering if we go a little deeper uh, into that. Like, uh, is it, I'm sure it's productivity tools for sure, because that helps a bit. Is there any delegation as well? Like what goes into that type of a transformation and how long does it usually take?
1: Yes. So, excuse me you know, at Lifehack Method, we've got what I call the the roadmap. The roadmap really consists of four stages. And I think these are the four stages from what we've observed that people have to go through to create massive freedom in their life. So stage one is getting radical clarity. So many people try to be productive without being clear, and it just doesn't work, right? You You need to be effective before you can be efficient. And effective just simply means, do you even know where you're going? I can't tell you how many clients, Mark, come to me and they want to be more productive. And I say, okay, well, what's the point? What, what, what are your goals? And I'm like, well, I'm not quite sure. They're really muddy. So stage number one, I think, in your journey is you got to be radically clear about what it is you want, how you're going to get there, what the rewards are. So radical clarity. Stage two is what I call self-mastery. And self-mastery is just all the basics. Can you manage your calendar? Can you manage your to-do list? I mean, just the basics of productivity. Stage three, as you alluded to, is systems and tools mastery. Meaning, can you start to take advantage of outside systems and outside tools to get things done for you? And as you can imagine, Mark, this is where things really take off because It's where you can exceed your 40 hours a week, meaning you are no longer the only person doing the work. You're actually getting other tools, other systems, other people, other processes to do work on your behalf. And that means there's no limit to how much you can scale and what your impact could be. And then stage four is what I call, you know, just taking a risk. At some point in everybody's life hacking journey, you have to sort of break the mold and figure out how this works differently for you, meaning I don't think there's one template that fits for every single person in their life. Like just follow the template that Demir took to freedom and you'll get there. I think at some point you do all of the smart things and you got to start taking some calculated risks to better your situation and create that resilience in your life so that you can get your hours down.
0: And one of the things I want to go into even more is that Demir mentions, and we, we were alluding to this a little earlier, the productivity tools and systems And you can use these tools and systems to really optimize your hours, cut down, get the same stuff done a lot quicker. But there comes a point where uh, you've done so much optimization. It makes more sense to delegate some of the responsibilities like income and expenses. Uh, There's a lot you could, if you have never tracked your expenses, never looked at that stuff, look at it. You will find opportunities to cut down. You'll be like, wow, look at all this money I'm saving. But if you do that exercise once or twice, there's just so only so many more expenses you can cut down before you get to like, do I really need to cut this? This is like, yeah. Diminishing
1: returns. Right. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like now we're talking about some very serious expenses that like you need to keep paying. Uh, so at that point, like you can cut down expenses, you can use productivity tools to save on your time and be the most productive person possible. But there's a point where you then have to focus on in the, uh, the money sense, the income expansion and in the productivity sense hiring people, delegating some of the work. You can start Fiverr, or Upwork, scale it even more than that. But the point is there is this transition from uh, using the productivity tools and uh, your own planning and scheduling, which can shave off a lot of hours and then delegating tasks as well later on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think, I think of just what I'm hearing you say is, yeah, at, at some point, your radical clarity and your self-mastery will get you really far. And I think that's really important. But at some point, you're going to start seeing diminishing returns. And then you got to shift into start thinking about, okay, maybe more of my gains are going to come from leveraging better technologies, leveraging better systems, maybe starting to delegate things out. But as you pointed out, Mark, it's a delicate balance between, hey, you know, there's always that moment you got to take a risk and say, am I really ready to hire somebody on Upwork and create a system to delegate? Uh, because maybe I don't have the income. So there's no no easy answers here. There's always that moment where you got to take those calculated risks and say, I think if I could get some of these things off my plate, I could switch my activity over here and make some more money. And so there's always that moment you got to take the leap, isn't there?
0: And I like how Demir mentions that, like, yes, there is this time you have to take a leap, but we focus on the self-mastery first. You don't want to fling your money at a problem, hire a bunch of people without much thought as to how can these people help you And are you just giving them busy work versus productive work? So I'm wondering, Demir, if we could go into that self-mastery concept. Uh, What are some of the ways we can speed up that process so we can advance the delegation in the future?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, self-mastery is just about how do you manage yourself as a unit of productivity? Pretty simple, right? Like when work hits your plate, how do you get it done? When a lot more is coming at you than could possibly get done, how do you manage it, triage it, find time for it. I think there's three models that really help, and I I think about these three models as existing sort of in a triangle, right? Um, And when I say models, let me just back up and say, Mark, there's no perfect model or tool for your life because your life, like the markets, is too big, right? We can't model Mark's life. There's too much coming at Mark. What we can do is we can create simplified models, which are inherently flawed in some way. I I love the quote All models are flawed, but some are helpful. And I think one great model is a calendar. A calendar is a model of your time allocation, right? Like your time supply, if you will. I mean, Mark's only got 168 hours of time in any given week. And so a calendar is a really effective model of how that time is being utilized and allocated. Um, It doesn't show you a lot of other stuff. So for example, your time bids or your time demands. A good model of that would be your to-do list or your project management workflow. So I think about these not as some kind of perfect tool, but as imperfect but highly useful models of different aspects of your life. And so when I think about taking somebody through self-mastery, I really have three models that I want to get them to master. Number one is their calendar. Number two is their task list or their their action platform where where they... put their tasks and take action on their tasks. And number three is something that I call a life map. Um, it's something I take my clients through where it's simply their mission, their vision and every step of what they need to do, the critical path that they need to follow to get to where they want to get in their life. And between those three models, what I've seen is that people can be still highly flawed, um, you know, highly uh, mistake prone individuals. But if they're working those three models at the same time, they end up getting to a place where they are a thousand times better than they were when they started.
0: I mean, Demir brings up such an important point about models. You, uh, we all have role models or uh, we all have business models that we like to follow. We see this person make a lot of money as a podcaster or as a YouTuber or as a DIY services or done-for-you services. Their model works for them, and it may not work perfectly for you. So instead of following something from A to Z, be willing to incorporate your own version of it And at the same time, be willing to take in all these different ideas and have the right guidance. It could be a mentor. It could be you watching a bunch of free videos. There's a lot of different ways that that guidance can take form. But look at various models you can choose from, play around with them, see what works best for you. Demir helps his clients who want to be more productive and win their week of work. Demir, where can we go to follow your journey and learn more about what you do.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I think about myself as the Johnny Appleseed of teaching people how to plan their week. And if that's something that somebody listening would love to learn more about, we have a free gift training showing you how to win your week at lifehackmethod.com. That's lifehackmethod.com. You can also go to Winning the Week. Uh, That'll take you straight there to a free training. It shows you how to train, how to basically plan your week in less than 30 minutes. Now, I just want to be clear. That means that you'll not only have an effective planning process, but a sustainable planning process. Um, And and I just want to, uh, you know, for me, the reason we put that out into the world as a free training is that we really want to create a generational change where not only do we finally crack the code on this whole planning the week thing, but we actually can pass it on to our employees and our, and our kids and even to some extent our spouses.
0: Well, Breakthrough Success listeners, if you want to go out there and win your week, check out Demir's training. We will have links in the show notes if you want to follow Demir's work and journey. Thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today.
1: And thank you so much, Mark.